0: welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Uh, It feels early, even though it's 10am, but I'm glad to be here. It's going to be good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is going to be good. It's going to be good. And and I actually agree, it does does feel early. I'm I'm like hugging my coffee. It's going to give me some kind of strength to to get... But it's it's 10 o'clock. I don't know why we're We're gamers, man. It's too early. Exactly. too old. Sim racing is a hobby that's meant to be done in the evening, you know. (laughs) Interesting. To most
0: people.
1: Right, okay, so... Obviously, we like to start from the beginning. But since you've said that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna press that point. Why, why is it an evening activity? I've always thought that if, if you're if you're coming at it from like an athletic point of view, like a professional sim racing stance, it's like early when you when your mind's firing and you've maybe done some exercise and it's like the nine to five, right? But do
0: you still prefer to train in the evenings. So weirdly enough, I prefer uh, the nine to five approach uh, since I've been doing it professionally since 2019. I prefer getting up, as you say, you're sharp, get on it, do the morning, have a lunch break, do the afternoon, then you have your evening to sort of have a have a life or touch grass mm-hmm. and do those sort of things. Um but since joining Merck, my teammates are the opposite, so they prefer the evening. So I've been I've just been in this routine basically of of getting on at say two, three PM and finishing at sort of seven, eight, nine. Mm um so yeah naturally i've been waking up later and i've just been in that sort of routine so but i yeah i do prefer the mornings as you say just you're sharp you sort of you have loads of energy and yeah okay interesting now there is something that i can't let slip
1: right and i realize that this is a audio format and 99 percent of our listeners listen through spotify and google rather than youtube but You are sat next to what is the most enormous industrial looking (laughs) air conditioning unit I have ever seen in my whole life. Like, is this because you get super hot when you're racing or are you just in somewhere that's not the UK and raining right now? This
0: is my best friend right here. Uh, This is like everyone talks about it. I haven't named it yet, actually. Um, oh. We should probably try and name it. But
2: mm. every
0: time I stream or make a video, like it's always in the comments, like "What is that?" You know, is that is that <laughs> is that a spaceship? What is it? But it's just an aircon <laughs> unit. You know what it reminds me of, right? Um,
1: and this might show my age, but do you ever watch Teletubbies as a kid? Yeah.
0: Long do you remember like Nunu?
1: Yeah? vaguely yeah. You know, Nunu was the little Hoover that used to go around. Looks and, like, like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> kind of looks like your own little like sim racing Nunu. So if <laughs>
0: if, if like Nunu met Crew Chief, that's that's
1: what it would be. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the thing is, it gets so hot in the UK, like in in the how in the houses. We're not designed for like thirty degrees. So when it gets mm. that hot and you're sim racing in a in a really hot room, if I didn't have that, phew, I just wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to concentrate. I'd be sweating. You know, it'd be crazy. So I need it. We're um we're actually trying to set a date with a, a company for the podcast called O Rouge, who make like the
1: most genius uh bit of hardware ever. It's like a chilled sim racing chair. So like it, it it's it's like refrigerated, <laughs> which yeah. actually when you think about that it, sounds good. Is so smart. Yeah. And that is their that's that's their thing. It's like cold cold gaming chairs and cold cold sim racing chairs, yeah. which is which is genius. It sounds like you could uh, you could use one. Um Definitely. Anyway. We'll move on. I've got massively distracted um, <laughs> straight away uh, in this conversation, which is, is, is a good sign. It's a good sign. So, James, you uh, said before we came on air that you've you listened to one of our efforts before, so you know that we like to tell the story, like the the human story um, of of sim racing, and there's there'll be a little bit of like you know tire pressures, this false feedback that, but we like to hear the story of the people who kind of make sim racing what it is, and I think it's probably fair to say, given your impressive resume uh you are one of the people who who has made sim racing what it is so it would be great to to hear your story so first question i like to ask is what was the first time you interacted with motorsport and or sim racing or racing games and which came first
0: uh so where do i start so i first went to an indoor kart track when i was eight years old just eighth birthday Me and my dad always used to watch Formula One. My dad, my family have no motorsport background at all. Nothing. Um, My dad used to work in the Navy. So he has sort of an understanding of like mechanics and used to work on helicopters and stuff like that. So effectively, uh, yeah, we went karting one week. Um, There was sort of three other lads who'd been before and stuff like that. And I sort of, I did it and I was naturally just okay. Like I beat them, no problem. sort of was clicking quite naturally so we kept on going back and for the first like two years we were just once a week going to this indoor kart track and uh after a while we sort of got the budget to go and do some outdoor racing as well some owner kart stuff and yeah i I race karts not like top level like you know championship or british level but sort of just like owner kart level uh till i was like 15 16 and then it won a few like championships and stuff, but the the the, runny, the, the money soon ran out and um, mm. had to stop and, you know, to find your, your way in life. So, you know, when it got a job and stuff like that. So for those that don't know, um, including me, uh, owner
1: karting. So I, I go to one of these like arrive and drive championships where it's once once a month you go and you tally, the schools tally up over the, the, the standard championship, but it's, it's higher kart racing. Which anybody who's done a higher cart championship will know that the frustration is that all the carts are different. You know, mm-hmm. that some there's there is there's a lot of slow carts and there'll be like one or two that'll just be like absolutely miles ahead. Um I won a race, right, this championship in one of these carts and it felt great, but I was like a half a lap ahead of the guys who were fast. I was like, mm, this is not me. This is definitely yeah. not not talent, right? This is this is the cart. So tell us about the difference between um if somebody was considering getting into owner cart, what's the what are the the pros and cons of going into the owner
0: cart championships? It's just more money. Yeah. You know, you have your own cart, you have to mechanic it yourself, service it yourself, set it up Is yourself. Hard? Is that easy to learn? Well, I think that was a disadvantage for me and my dad. We didn't really know what we were doing. Um, so you can pay a team to do it, but that's more money, isn't it? So it's just expensive. Yeah. And You know eventually we stopped doing that and i filtered out into sort of higher car stuff you know stuff like super gt super gt's done like club 100 and stuff like that um which is great because it's cheaper and it's easy sort of turn up and race but yeah when i got 16 i stopped doing that because financially it didn't make sense anymore and i had to go and find a job i was like a junior apprentice mechanic for a bit for a race team ended up doing engineering and becoming like a machinist um Mm -hmm. making parts for like airplanes and stuff like that which sounds boring, but it was a really good job. I actually really enjoyed it. doesn't sound um, boring at all.
1: Sounds, sounds really interesting.
0: Yeah, it was, it was good. I really, I was there for like th- four years. Um, and then in 2017, whilst working for that firm, just in the evenings, I'd come home and, uh, eventually, wow. Well, you know, everyone gets a bit bored in the evenings and stuff like that. So mm. I, I bought a wheel and pedal set with project cars one and, uh, just started playing that in the evenings very casually, like just bolted to the desk and just started doing laps, and that's sort of how I got into sim racing. You know, so I had like a base foundation of uh, of driving skill from karting, and then um I sort of used that to be fairly decent when I got a, a wheel and pedal set. Um, and what wheel and pedal set was it? It was a I think it's a Logitech G nine twenty, I think. Okay. okay, yeah, for Xbox. Um, on a massive thirty-eight-inch, uh, really thick TV, <laughs> uh, the wheel delay was like four seconds.
1: <laughs> no, it's uh, like, you have to like really kind of like turning in early. All of a sudden, had a totally different
0: meaning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. On the line just to make sure that it did it in gaming time. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I did that just casually for like a few months, um, and then I don't know. It's all a bit of a blurb. I don't know how I actually got into doing it sort of competitively, like not professionally, mm. but I think I, I saw on Twitter like an ESL event. I think it was called a Go4Cup uh, on Project Cars 1. And I thought, you can you can enter a competition here? What, and you could. I, I think the winner won 50 euros. So I was like, what? You can earn money? I was like, no way. 50, I, sorry, just 50, 50 euros? 50
1: euros, yeah. Okay. Why? Why? no i just wondered if it's 50 euros or like fifty thousand euros it sounds no, like no, no, ESL, no no that sounds like it sounds <laughs> but, like but this was proper around, right?
0: proper community stuff like right, so okay, and this is yeah, this is yeah. 2017 so the thing is i was very unaware of say gt academy that had happened like four years prior um i literally had no idea what sim racing was to be honest mm. um i'd just done karting and just coincidentally got a wheel and pedals and um yeah entered the csl competition uh I think I was in the final. I didn't win, but I loved it. I loved the competition. I loved that you could race other people online. I ended up speaking to a few of the people on the grid and, uh, I still speak to a couple of them today. Um, and just got to know the space a bit better. Like they were better than me. So I sort of learned a lot from them, Mm. um, just about settings and stuff like that. And yeah, that's how I got into it. That's how I got the bug. And then I kept on doing it every day after work, just obsessed for like the first year and a half. And then, yeah, from that, it took me like a year a year and a half to go from just doing it from a, as a hobby to getting paid to do it so crazy really but that's rapid
1: that's rapid and there must have been some step in that year and a half what were the key moments that led you to being able to do it as a, as a paid job there must have been something some introduction or some series that you ran in or, or some wins what what was it that, that triggered the move because there'll be a lot of people listening to this who uh diehard sim sim racers who'll be trying to work out how to navigate the series that they race in the leagues they race in the championships that they race in to give themselves the best chance of being able to go go pro. Could you pinpoint which events in that year and a half you think were, were most kind of instrumental
0: in, in allowing you to go full time? Well, I think I fast tracked like, I mean, you hear some sim racers have been doing it for like 10, 15 years. Um, I had a foundational knowledge from karting and how to sort of drive, um and race and qualify and so I already knew how to do that so when I got into sim racing that bit was sort of already ticked I just had to learn how to be quick on the sim um so yeah in terms of the competitions and stuff that got me from uh, from doing it as a hobby to doing it and getting paid um I think it was just going through the motions in terms of where the the big competitions were on what games so like project cars one there wasn't too much project cars two there was a little bit um, I was able to join a team, uh, or a couple of teams, but I wasn't getting paid for it, but I could win some prize money if I won a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I sort of, when I was at the front of these things, I was like, right, I need to be doing the biggest thing here. Like if I'm gonna, I have this mindset where if I do anything and it does some, sometimes it holds me back. Cause it just, it's almost too competitive, but if I'm doing something, I have to be doing the best version of that thing. Like I have to just, you know. What's the point of doing mm. something half arse You know, you may as well do it properly. Um, so when I was doing it, I looked at like F1 Esports, which was sort of still, it was just growing at the time. I think it was in like season two of F1 Esports and Gran Turismo, uh, Forza, all those competitions. I was iron all of them up. I was like, which one am I going to go and try and do? And um, I chose the F1 game just because it was the biggest one and it still is, to be fair. Mm. And... Um, just started. Well, I bought the game, started practicing, doing time trial, entering league races. Started off in like League Two of AOR, Apex Online Racing, back in the day. Yeah. Getting some wins on that, eventually getting to split one and sort of mixing it with the the, the well known guys like, you know, Brendan Lee and all that. Yeah. And when I started doing that, the opportunity sort of came. Um, the teams start getting in your inboxes. And mm. when you get a foot in the door and you get into doing F1 Esports, um you know and being in the mix to be on the roster that's when you can start demanding some some money um i was still working at the time and then i I got to a point where i i could not practice the same amount as some of the others who were doing it full time so i said to the team i was with like i need to i need to get to get paid to do this properly otherwise you know there's no there's no point me doing this half-assed and getting home from work tired and trying to and trying to keep up with these guys that are practicing every day all day yeah and they were like, yeah, fair point. We'll, uh, we'll give you this a month. And um, that's when it became professional. And that was mid the middle of 2019, I think. So,
1: yeah. So the two things stand out to me there. The, the first one is it doesn't seem like you were phased at all by the idea of going from one game to another. And the, and the second is that you kind of you kind of wrote your own fate in that you were like, well, I want to go full time. So these people that I'm racing for, I'm going to tell them if you want me to do this for you, I'm, I'm going to go full time. So it it's kind it's kind of interesting. It's very it's a very you. What I'm getting is you have to be kind of very bold. Um, were you not phased at all by the idea of of going from project cars where you put in sounds like you sunk hundreds thousands of hours into it to get really really good to then just going okay well let's see where the biggest tournaments are. I might not be on project cars, but it doesn't matter. I'll I'll get good at it. Whatever it is.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I mean yeah i guess that's just an approach isn't it you know there's no point being phased by you know oh, you know maybe thinking to yourself i can't do this or i can't do that you know i just assumed if i was at the top of one game that it shouldn't be an issue to get to the top of another game you know it's still driving at the end of the day you still turn the wheel and press the pedals um just in a slightly (laughs) different way you know um and i think the level back then was slightly lower than it is now like Mm. I think now it'd be a lot harder to just do that. But I got very fortunate at the time of doing it, 2018, 2019, that sort of uh, time period, that the level was good. But as I say, if I if I was to do it now, it would be a lot harder. So, um, yeah.
1: Interesting, because you, you did make it happen in the sense that you, you were kind of on the edge of being able to go full-time and then essentially said to this team, pay me so that i can do this so that i can race better for you i suppose nowadays you're right there's more people doing it which means it's more competitive but there's more teams there's more tournaments there's more competitions so as much as the um you know the demand on driver skill is higher there are a lot more places that you can go and race there's a lot more paid paid drives to use that phrase um in sim racing now uh, than there used to be
0: yeah there is and Back then, I, I think it was realistically it was only the F1 guys and Forza guys. You know that that's not even mm. a thing really anymore. Forza esports um, that were getting paid. Um, whereas now you've got you've got so many. I, I don't know if the Gran Turismo guys get paid still. I, I know that was a bit of a saga, but the F1 guys definitely get paid. Some of them quite a lot. ESLR One drivers get paid. ACC drivers, a lot of them are getting paid. R Factor yeah. like. It's it's just the, the whole scene's grown to an extent that, that, you know, when I first died, there was probably like 10, 20 people that were doing it full-time, if that. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I could probably... There's definitely over 50, you know, maybe mm-hmm. even more than that, to be honest, um, which is cool. It's, I mean, as a I, I probably haven't stressed enough, like... Because I'm, I'm sort of used to it now. But when I was working as a machinist and doing it as a hobby, if you said the the sort of journey i've been on and others have been on as well i'd be like from playing a racing game are you mad you mental like just no way no way but yeah as i say now i'm in it and i've been doing it for a while it's sort of normal but it's it's not normal like this is not the way i thought my life would go and in a good way (laughs) it's just crazy
2: yeah so when did that first jump like that first real jump into competitive sim racing happen like what was the competition? What was like was it F1 esports? I think I read somewhere that you got into that a little bit. Like where was that first like big step into the scene?
0: I think the biggest thing for me, uh the biggest competition that sort of put me on the, the map was uh the e-Racer Champions, E Rock in twenty nineteen. So there was a qualifier at the back end of twenty eighteen where um I think Veloce the team i was with at the time they got a they got an invite and they they had to put one driver forward and at, at the time I, I remember talking to one of the guys who runs veloce and he said i, I was like where do you see my sort of career go and he was like um to be honest with you i don't know i mean you don't play f1 that much you know we need to find a route for you otherwise you know there's no point you being in the team if you're not winning mm. things and doing stuff so i was like damn I need I need to sort of prove myself here so this competition E-Rock e- had a qualifier on a set of Corsa in that stadium format that they do the 1v1 and they put me forward for it and I was like right this is it this is the big one you know I was racing all the big names like Enzo Benito and um I don't know he wasn't doing it but like Yoni Tormula and all the big big names of sim racing and I was like right this is my one chance I've got i got to do the business here so I did loads of practice for it and uh it was all on one evening and I, I managed to win it and it allowed me to qualify for the final of EROC where there was me versus Seb Job, Brendan Lee, and Nils Newjocks in Mexico. So all paid for flown out to Mexico, you know, VIP treatment, literally at the airport, they found all four of us, escorted us through the airport. It was sick. I mean, you got to remember at the time <laughs> as well, like I, this, I was not used to anything like this. Like when yeah. this happened, I was like, I couldn't believe that a game had got me to this point. And, um, yeah, so went got to E-Rock and won the final. Managed to go into the race of champions and win a race against a real racing driver as well. So like at that point, I was like, "Damn, like that's mad."
1: It's it's kind of nuts, right? So we had um, we had Steve Brown on uh, recently Super GT, and we it, we had him on the podcast the week of um, the Gran Turismo film coming out. Um, and it was interesting because we had watched the whole Good team had gone after work, and we'd watched the Gran Turismo film. And then I think a couple of days later, uh, we had Steve on the podcast, and it was interesting how real that film was. It, but in the sense of like the personal journeys of the people involved. Um, like he essentially did exactly the same as Jan Mardenborough, like without you know without the, without some of the details and the actual events that they went to, but in terms of the journey of uh you know karting sim racing to then it being a, a full-time job um and now and now racing in the the real world has obviously just done the nurberg ring um series with uh jimmy broadbent um but it's interesting how many parallels there are so first of all have you seen the film and second of all did you watch it thinking there's some creepy creepy parallels here i haven't seen it what not well... yet Oh I need to see it, goodness. man. I know. I need to see it, it I honestly think it will be a bit of a emotional film for you to watch, purely because there's probably some little. I better go on my there, own but...
0: then, not with the missus. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah, crying, no.
1: right? And and also, <laughs> I have to say, like, I like the film, but it, there were some cringy bits in it, some really cringy bits. Yeah, like the first five minutes is basically an advert for Fanatec, which is like, like oh, it was like really? an unboxing video at the beginning of the film, which which was, <laughs> which was, which was fine, right? Because. As, a, as somebody that works in sim racing, the more people who are like, "Oh, that looks cool. I want one of those," like the better. Um, and there were some little cringy little uh, little phrases in there, but I've loved, I was, uh, <laughs> I've done I've loved this track a thousand times. Oh yeah, um, oh but yeah, yeah. In terms of the actual journey that obviously Jan goes through, it's there's there's so many people that we've had on this podcast now who have basically done the same thing ended up in slightly different places some racing in the real world some racing for a sim racing team full-time some have gone out and created businesses uh that exist in the sim racing world from it but all the thing that they all have in common is what you just said which is i never thought when i was at school that this is how my life would turn out from a racing game
0: mm. no exactly and i've ha- i mean i've had friends and People that you know, I, I know that have gone to the cinema to watch it, and they've actually texted me after the film, like, "Mate, this that film is like what you've done." And I was like, "Yeah, mad." <laughs> like, um, like, it's a good thing that the film. Is as good as it is, it's reaching as many people as it is. Like when I first saw it got announced, I was like, is this going to be a bit of a gimmick? Is it going to make sim racing look mm. a bit rubbish? But
2: mm.
0: it's absolutely given it some like credibility to like the masses, which I think is really good. Um, but yeah, as you say, like people like Steve and Jimmy, and they've done a very similar story to, to Jan. Um, I mean, my story from my year of 2020 and 2019, it's literally the same journey as Jan in the sense that it was the same people that organized GT Academy that organized World's Fastest Gamer. Mm. I I had the same mechanics as he had, same engineers, same driver coaches, uh, sort of guiding me through British GT. So every time I did something well or not well, they would be like, right. So Jan went through the same thing. Jan did this. We spoke to Jan when he was younger. So like I literally lived his journey (laughs) just seven or eight years later. Um, his journey went on for a bit longer as well. He did a few years, but I only did the one year. But yeah, it was, I, as you say, that film, I'm going to watch it and be like, damn, that is close to home, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: it would be really interesting actually to hear your, your review of that film uh, when you do manage to go and see it. Mm. So, okay, so something that I noticed was that there seem you seem to have mentioned a couple of times now that the F1 game is where a lot of the opportunity was and you know veloce was was telling you that perhaps f1 is something to consider and if you're not going to do f1 then it's we need to work out a path. was it a conscious decision to not race f1 as much and move across to things like um acc was that a preference of the the racing style or the way the game felt um or what what was the reason for not, not shunning f1 that sounds
0: very negative but just deciding not to make that your thing Well, on my way up, so like when I first started getting paid, like 2018, 2019, like winning F1 Esports was like my sole purpose Mm because it was the biggest thing. I was like, right, I need to go and win that. That's going to be the big thing. Until uh, I'd won World's Fastest Gamer at the end of 2019, then my priorities sort of changed. Um, I guess when I started sim racing, I always thought like, I think I had seen people like Jan and stuff go from gaming to real earlier on a few years earlier. And I was like, if I'd love to do that, I never got, Mm. I had a couple of like really club level races before, um, getting into gaming, like in 2015 at the end of my car career, my dad had saved enough to allow me to do two races in formula Ford. They didn't go that well. And we actually, we spent all the money we basically had and that was it. And there was a few rough years after that. Um, but yeah, so I did have a little glimmer of car experience before I went into gaming. Um, it's worth saying. Um, so yeah, when I won what's fast game, my priorities changed because there was an opportunity to race in real life the next year for a whole season, a million dollar drive in GT racing. So mm. as soon as I got that, I was like, I know F1 esports is good, but like, that's, that's insane. Like I need to, I need to focus on that as well. So 2020 when, I, when I finally got the call up to do F1 esports as a driver, I was also competing full-time in real life in British GT. So honestly, mm. it was like racing F1 esports sometimes on a Wednesday and Thursday, get to the track Friday and then do real racing Friday, Saturday, Sunday and F1 Esports and driving a GT3 in real life, the driving styles you need, <laughs> it's just like polar opposites, man. I mean, it's non-comparable. Um, so I was taking some bad habits. I was, I was learning on the F1 game, putting it into the GT car and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it was all a bit, it wasn't optimal, you know? Um, so my F1 Esports season was pretty poor. Uh, my debut season, I, I'd scored, a few points finishes it was awful to be honest but by the standards i I try and set myself like i wanted to be at the front and stuff and i was just nowhere um so i got to the end of the season and i wasn't exactly in demand uh, to Mm. to do another season um i probably could have crafted a way to do the following season but doing so poorly on such a big stage I, i was like it's just, it's a bit embarrassing. And like, I, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to sort of disconnect myself from F1 Esports. It was so brutal. I was like, right, let's make next year a bit different. I thought I'd be real racing again, first of all, but I, I saw all these simulators like ACC and R-Factor and AC. And I was like, let's go, let's go over there and try and do some stuff on them. You know, they look mm. and feel more enjoyable to drive. There's competitions on them now. Let's go and win some stuff on those things. Um, and that's what I did. The, the next two or three years until today really uh since f1 esports finished in 2020 I, i've just been focusing on every other sim apart from f1 um not to say that you know I, I wouldn't go back i mean the way it is in the minute i probably wouldn't go back but if it changed the physics changed on it completely so it's more like sim like I, I probably would eye up eye it up again you know i mean it's a younger demographic now. I mean, all the kids that are going on there now, like 16, 17, and I'm 25. But I think it, if it went to a full hardcore sim, I'd definitely fancy my chances to be sort of at the front. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the reason I'm not doing it now. It, it's a shame, really, but in it's not all negative because F1 Esports did not go that well, yes, but my real racing season that year went extremely well. And I think mm. it's because I prioritised it over F1. So it's just bad timing, you know, it would have been better to have the real racing one year and F1 the next year, for example, but you can't always have it that yeah. way. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It sounds like a lot to juggle. Um, and something that I'm really interested in is the differences, not, uh, so it sounds like the racing itself was, was as you said, polar opposites, but what was it like in the paddocks? Now, I know to say the paddocks of a of a sim racing uh, community, I. the F1 esports uh, teams maybe sounds a little cheesy, but... You do all know each other. The teams kind of speak to each other. There is a sense of it being a bit of a, a, a paddock. And obviously in the real world paddock, it's it's a paddock. So so, so what, yep. what was it What was it like being in two paddocks in, in one season? What were the biggest difference other than the obvious fact that one is real and one is virtual?
0: Well, the, the other thing as well is when I wanted to get into F1 Esports, it was all LAN. So like everyone would meet each other and stuff like that. And the year I did it was COVID year. So it was all done from mm-hmm. home. So it's very different. And, you know, you don't really speak to many any people apart from your teammates. Really, um, there were the drivers briefings and stuff, but you didn't really speak to anyone. So it's very isolated, and mm. um, yeah, it's, it's a shame, really. I mean, my strength as a driver tends to be at land uh, compared to at home, so that's why I fancied my chances quite well. But yeah, when it's it was done from home, it was a bit more difficult. But not that that's an, an excuse. But yeah, um, and then the real paddock again. It was. I don't think it was the full experience because it was COVID everyone was wearing masks. Everyone was like social distancing. And Mm. I mean, I mean, we all remember how it was like no one wanted to talk to anyone. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of people just sat in the trucks the whole time. So I didn't really mingle too much with people. Um, but it was still cool. It was still cool. I mean, I do, I do remember the first, um, the first race at Alton park where I qualified fourth and, um, I, qual- I mean, I qualified on pole, but there was a track limit penalty, so I went back down to fourth. And the day of the race, just before the race, one of the GT four drivers came up to me, and they were like, um, "Just, uh, just make." I didn't even know them that well. They just came up to me, and they were like, "Just be careful out there. You know, the race is very different, and it's real. And you know, just be careful to not hit anything." And I was like, "Cheers. All right, you- I will. Thank you." Oh, that is a filthy mind game, that isn't it? Yeah, I don't. I genuinely don't think they were trying to get in my head. I think they were trying to. I think they thought, you know, the whole gamer stigma thing. They were like, mm. just, you know, I bet you he's a loose cannon. Let's tell him to be careful and whatever. And that's fair enough. Like, you know, I get it. I do get it. But at the <laughs> same time, we went and won the race. So, you know, do you know what? Do you know what? Right. I, I, I don't want to give you spoilers, but
1: that exact scene happens in the film. Like that, that, What you've just described literally yeah. happens yeah. in the film, <laughs> in the Gran Turismo film. So stereotypical, that, isn't it? That is, that is absolutely wild. But, I mean, that must have felt
0: incredible, winning that race from Oh, from man. Fourth. I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe it. And as I wasn't a true pro, I probably uh, sabotaged myself for the next race. So we had two races that day. We had race one and race two later in the afternoon. So when we won race one we won, we got the champagne and all this stuff. And I was so <laughs> right. elated. I had like half a bottle of champagne, didn't uh-huh. eat, And then three hours later, we had the next race. And ah. during that race, <laughs> I was like empty stomach, had some champagne and like, I ended up driving around and I was, there was a safety car and, um, a lot of drivers when they're behind safety car and they're weaving and stuff, they get quite queasy. Um, and I got right. queasy uh-huh. and like, we were behind this safety car for about half an hour. And I was on the brink of being sick. And I was like calling in like, oh. guys, I need, to, I need to box. I'm going to be sick. And they were like, you have to stay out. We're P6. We need these points. There's 20 minutes left. Just get through it. And I was like, Just a bomb in your lap. Yeah. yeah. But I managed to hold it in and uh, we got sick. So, yeah. But as I say, if I was a true pro, you know, I would have known that race two's coming. I wouldn't have drunk any champagne. I would have <laughs> eaten properly. It, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but now it's all good. We finished sixth. And we actually left that round leading the championship on my debut, man. I mean, me and Michael O'Brien, my teammate, it's got to be said he's a great driver. And it was the two of us that season. It was a great year. And I imagine
1: for your uh, your parents, your dad especially, having taking you to karting paid a load for the for the owner kart series and then paid everything that he had for the uh the f4 series and then struggling for a few years i imagine i i don't know but i assume he was there watching that must have been incredible
0: yeah i mean worth saying it's formula Ford. we did not formula four i mean Four formula formula is a lot yeah. more money but um yeah. yeah i mean he of course yeah it, i think for him it was sort of validation and my mum as well you know it was validation that it was sort of that the years karting and the, you know the wet weekends uh, you know sometimes Mm. in scotland where you know Mm. it's not it's not nice but you know you want to take your kid car and stuff i think it was like validation that was sort of worth it all the the grind and stuff because you know they didn't have that much money but they still managed to prioritize putting me in a in a car when sometimes you know they didn't have much money for much else so um yeah i think what i'm doing now is definitely a sort of slight reward that all that grind was worth it so no, it's, it's, it's good. It's really good. They worked out. Yeah, must have been a pretty beautiful moment on the the podium there. Um, okay, so let's bring it
1: to kind of the present day because you've got quite a lot going on. Um, obviously, you had the uh, ESLR1 tournament earlier in the year. So I think you came fourth as a driver. Your team came sixth, I want to say, and you won round six.
0: Uh, I, in season one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I finished third. The team finished fifth. But yeah, I mean, the main thing was like, I was two corners away well, from winning what, the championship. Yeah, the, so. the drama Simracing of the last Wiki one. needs to sort themselves out because they've got you down as uh, as fourth in the driver
2: standings. Just Doing behind the <laughs> Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. Simracing Wiki has let me down. <laughs> because the, the whole fiasco with the last, uh, like the major, the summit, was that last chicane getting taken out and kind of just losing everything yeah. in the last minute. Like, what was, what was the mental state after that and kind of going into the the next race then after
0: to be fair i was sort of just i was buzzing i was in the mix and at the front and in the you know fight to win um but yeah that particular moment literally driving down the back straight towards the chicane at nurburgring thinking i've got to defend here but i've got the inside i'm gonna i'm gonna win this flipping championship man i I was nowhere after round four like i'm gonna win i literally i had it in my head like i'm going to win this race and win the thing and then went through the chicane and got taken out and I was facing the wrong way. And I was like, I can't believe it. Mm. I'm, it's just gone. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it did suck obviously. And I, but you know, as I say, I'm a little bit older now. I'm, I'm not going to lose my head. Like a lot of say teenagers would. Mm-hmm. Um, so just went and got some food, hydrated, and got ready for the next race and it just, it just didn't work out i mean sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't it's so close and the margins are so small that sometimes it just doesn't fall your way mm. but yeah yeah we uh, we were watching that in the office when it happened and remember being a bit gutted for you um
1: but um, <laughs> thanks something I'd, I'd noticed um and again you, you kind of just said it there uh, maybe you've already answered the question so that you're a bit older you've got a steady head but i've always noticed that you don't tend to react to things as much as a lot of other drivers. You seem to be quite cool, calm, collected, and have a sense of kind of perspective uh, when it comes to racing incidents, uh, etc. Um, I'm assuming there's po- maybe a lot of experience behind that. In that there, you've had incidents in the past and have reacted
0: to them and learned exactly, from, yeah. learned from that. L- exactly, learning from mistakes. Like I've I've got angry in the past. I've you know done some stupid stuff. Like there's just no point. It's just literally no point. I mean, as you say, we, we, I, it's probably quite entertaining actually. So it's probably why some people get a lot of views. Um, but you know, people getting angry and raging and all this stuff, like, it's just, it's just not me. Like, I just don't, I don't personally get it. You know, it doesn't really help the situation. It just makes it worse. It's probably quite a boring approach, but, um, not saying I won't ever get angry again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not, I obviously I do get angry sometimes. Don't me wrong, but, um, yeah i don't know why so on that situation when it happened uh, there wasn't this internal like i need to shout i need to go and yeah gri- grip him up and like push him around like there was just none of that it was just like oh, that sucks man but i guess there's another race coming up let's get ready for that you know it's just the way i'm wired i guess yeah
1: now um before we start diving into some of the questions that uh, our listeners have sent in um i want to chat about your fundraising uh, your crowdfunding um project. Because I remember watching the video when it came out and you um explained the situation. You explained that you'd raced before, you wanted to race again, but it's uh it, you know it's expensive, you're, you're a pay driver, um, etc. Um what was the the process leading up to kind of that video and then the, the fundraising afterwards? will well, give us a bit of the 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 context behind that.
0: Uh yeah I mean I sort of explained it in the video but basically um It was just, a. I kept on having comments and stuff on some of my real racing posts, um, you know, saying, try it. Just try crowdfunding, you you know, allow us to help you. Allow us as as followers to help you. And it's quite a controversial thing to do. Obviously, crowdfunding is is typically uh, associated with tragedy and stuff like that. Um, So it's quite a controversial thing to do. But I I just, I thought if I do it properly and I, I make sure it's put the right way, I'll try it. I'll just, you know, I'll follow my, my subscribers sort of recommendation and just see how it goes. Um, and it went, the first like few weeks were insane. Like the support Mm. was incredible. Um, many, or a few thousand were raised pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and over the course of the year, it has slowly slowed down, but it's also still built up to a decent figure of around, I think it's like 12,000 now, 12,000 pounds, which I, I, I feel very 50, 50 about it. I feel guilty in the sense that you know part of me feels like did i wish i didn't do it because i don't like taking money from people and for you know it's not a necessity me going racing you know it's a luxury i'm very well aware of that um and the other side is like i listened to my followers who recommended it and it's actually worked somewhat so mm. in that sense i'm happy about it um but i guess the the key is now what do i do with it um and i'm working quite hard in a lot of areas to yeah you know, i'm working with marketing agencies and and people like this to to try and find the bulk of the budget i'd need to go race a full season and the plan is to make some content that i don't think many drivers have made uh for that kind of season um proper behind the scenes proper fly on the wall that's the that's the aim with it and obviously being at the front and winning races and stuff like that um and that twelve thousand that has been raised from the GoFundMe will be a massive help that you know that can go towards anything in that season that can be your, your insurance for the year for the car. So if you damage it, you don't have to pay too much, or it can be an extra test day. It could be, it can be an extra few sets of tires. Like it, it's valuable, valuable input. Um, I guess I need to work on getting the bulk of the budget. And when I say the bulk of the budget to go GT three racing for a season, you're looking between 200 000 to 300,000 a year pounds. Um, which sounds like a lot, but compared to other motorsport categories is actually quite low. I mean, you know, F3 is like a million, F2 is like 2 million so I think it's possible uh I just need to make it work yeah
1: it's and it feels like you know you're you're definitely kind of in the right place with the right teams perhaps to get at least to get the exposure to help you get to where you need to to go um is there much of a um a push from, um, the mercedes MG Paternas esports team to kind of push or, or help you into
0: real-world racing? Is that something that they can or have discussed assisting you with? I, I think it was pretty clear that, that I joined them as an esports driver um, mm. and I get that. They give a lot of advice in terms of, you know, if I have any questions about pa- how partnerships should work and what should I do in this situation, they do, they do offer some good advice, um, but Yeah, I think it's very clear that I'm a sim racer for them and that's where the line is drawn. Um, But that's just the way it is, you know. Um, That's how these esports teams, I think they're quite wary of it, you know, that there's definitely a blurred line between sim racing and real racing. And I think a lot of these esports teams don't want to really get too involved with the real racing bit because it's expensive and Mm. sometimes the viewership's actually lower than esports. So um, I think they want to keep it very much... Do esports and that's it. And there's so many, there's so many drivers now doing the sim to real thing. It's it's insane. I mean, you've got yeah. uh, David Sinitza, who's doing a Formula Series now, and he's he's the top sim racer of the past. You know, F one esports world champion. Um, obviously, Steve. Obviously, Jimmy. uh has done a few a few tests here and there. Mm. Myself, a few years ago and last year doing Spa 24 hour. And there's actually a few more examples than you'd think. You know, so. Um, yeah it's definitely I think the unique and cool thing about sim racing is that is that there's this blurred line um and that's obviously that's my favorite part about it. It's no secret so yeah yeah and and
1: just on that so if you take Jimmy and Steve and Jardia, you know they uh you can assume are using the, the the money that they're making through their streams through their uh youtube videos et cetera um and the exposure that they can kind of leverage against any kind of paid drives to um assist them uh in that so is there you know is there a um like a content creating creation strategy that you have in mind to pay for any of this is there anything you want to do to like ramp up how much you're doing online and how much you're streaming and how many youtube videos you're making etc to be able to support real racing
0: it's yeah it's, it's there's so many Things going on, like I try to prioritize it in a certain order. And <clears throat> like, I, I think com- competitively competing in esports for me at the minute is number one. Um, just because I, I'm at an age where I can, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think I want to make the most of that while I can, getting results, getting championships, getting whatever I can. Um, because I, I know when I get to say 35, I might not be uh good enough anymore. Um, The next priority is, as you say, content creation, streaming, making videos, making social media clips. And Mm. it's definitely not my strong suit because I'm just not consistent enough. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's it's not my number one priority, as I've just said. And then after that, you've got trying to do all the businessy stuff to try and find the budget to go racing. You know, that's, that's a really important thing as well. So, and then there's all, you know, there's general life stuff like keeping fit. You know, if I get fat and overweight and unfit, I'm not gonna be able to drive a race car anymore. So if I get the opportunity, I'm not going to be in good shape. There's all these things that there's only 24 hours in a day and you got to try and yeah. uh, Do it the best you can, you know, got to juggle it really well. I mean, competing in ESL R1, for example, is so time consuming and so intense because you got some insane drivers on that grid. That if you want to win you you need to put the effort in I do want to win I've not come to a stage yet where I'll, I'll go I'll just be on that grid to compete and be at the front you know I, I do want to I do want to win so um yeah it's uh it's a juggle definitely do you have anyone
1: helping you is there a support network that's kind of helping you with the with anything from video
0: creation to business to fitness or is it, yeah, I've is got- it a bit of a one-man band no, nah, I've got some. I've got some good guys helping me. I've got a good editor and uh, Ethan Dean. He's a quality editor. He edits Yano Watme's videos. Uh, I've got a graphic designer who does my thumbnails and stuff like that. I've got uh, an advisor who helps with like all the real racing stuff, talking to partners, and because um, I'm not a businessman, you know, I, 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 he helps me with that. Um, I've got people that help me. You know, an accountant, for example, who helps me with my money. Um, so I've, I've definitely recognized that you need people that are better than mm. you in certain areas to, to do the stuff for you. Cause you know, as you say, I'm not going to do all my accounts and then edit my own videos and then make my own graphics and <laughs> <You never laughs> sleep. Mate, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's slowly, but surely getting there. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's going well. Well, talking of, um, getting people who are better
1: to do things, um, better to get a blah. blah, blah. This is proving my point right. (laughs) Talking of getting people who are better at doing things than you to help you out. Let's go over to the questions that our listeners have asked. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I've butchered that. This is why we have questions from the listeners, right? Uh, Liam, let's have the first
2: one. Sweet. So our first question is actually coming from Ben uh, Alpha Tete from our Discord. And he sent me this question this morning from Australia. So he was barely able to get it in, which is good though. Um his question is how do you stay focused in longer races? It's easy to get distracted often in sim racing and like want to look over at your phone whereas in real life racing there's a lot more going on. Does it almost feel easier to stay focused as well?
0: Uh it's not particularly difficult for like just I think for me the phone thing's never been an issue like I don't feel the need <laughs> to go and pick up my phone during a stint. Um it would be funny, though, if on the SLR1
1: stage, just, you know, just quickly check on the emails down the street. Hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Mom, I'm in a race.
0: I think I always find that I need to eat well before and and drink quite a lot because I've done stints before where I haven't eaten and I've just woke Sometimes I woke up late and just jumped on the sim and done a stint and I feel really like all over the place and you know, a bit queasy. And so I think it's all in the prep, you know, just make sure you're like awake and fed and all that stuff. And just, yeah, I don't know what to say really. I mean, just get into a groove and try not think too much and just enjoy it. Just like try and hit, you know, do lap after lap, make every lap better than the last lap. And eventually when you get to the end of the stint, it should be a decent stint, you know,
2: mm, kind of hitting that, like that flow state.
0: Trying to, yeah, you don't always get it, but sometimes you do get it and you actually Sometimes I, I I get it, and I'm like I'm thinking right. I'm in a groove here. I can literally think about anything, and I can still drive perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's very rare you get it, but when you do get it, it's the best feeling. It's like you just feel like a robot. You're like, oh my god, this is so this is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, like last year in Le Mon Virtual Series, round four, Sebring, uh, I joined the race for Mercedes in fourth, and Max Verstappen for Team Redline was third, and he was like 12 seconds up the road and there was like 50 minutes left and that's when i got into like a mad flow state where i was like right i think it was a situation as well like chasing down the f1 world champion uh you know not long to go in the race it's for a podium and i was like i was just in this zone where it was like every lap was just good nailed and so enjoyable and then i got to him overtook him that's what it's all about you know Mm -hmm. that sounds magic
1: it's cool sweet uh, so, Do you want to do uh, the next
2: one,
0: Tom?
1: Yeah. So Mark Radenbury, who is a great friend of uh, Goodfine, and a very good graphic designer, does a lot of good liveries, um, positive Perception. So if you're in need of a livery, check out Positive Perception from Mark. He sent in two questions. One you've actually already answered. Uh, he said, have you ever tried during, uh, driving anything slower than a GT3 car in um, in competitions? <laughs> do you know about enduro car? We could skip over the endurocar stuff because I, I I talk about that far too much. <laughs> That's the 4K thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's the 4K thing. Yeah. So so we we raced uh last year. We did a season of six races, endurance races, team racing. So it was uh the team changed a little bit, but it was uh, myself and Toby from Gridfinder, and then we had Chris Hay joined us uh for a couple of rounds. We had Jem Hepworth for I think three rounds. And we had uh, Scott Mansell, Driver 61, join us at the park. And it was so much fun. The race is like four or five hours each. And obviously you do the driver swaps and you're swapping tires. And you got 54 KAs on a grid. Like, it's
0: just the most fun. Mega. Now it sounds fun. I mean, it's not always the case that the quicker the car, the better the racing. You know, sometimes it's the complete opposite. Um, So, yeah, that sounds really, that sounds like a good laugh. Um, It it was a good laugh. And actually you could do a whole season for £12,000. So, you know.
1: Just let's do it on that seed. <laughs> no, <palm that> <laughs> so where do i sign <laughs> okay we'll, we'll, we'll talk afterwards okay uh, he also asked his second question which is okay we more serious um, uh, how does he keep that
0: hair so magnificent does he have any tips for a going bald livery designer <laughs> i mean it's not magnificent let's be brutally honest it's like it's a, it's a liquor gel or liquor wax and just Put it in there maybe get a (laughs) towel on it ruffle it up and away you
2: go you know also like can we build on that a little bit what's the is there like a gym routine like i know a lot of like esports professionals have like tried to separate their in like on the desk sitting time to like an exercise routine like what's is there a routine there for you
0: sort of so up until like the start of this year um i never really cared too much about weight or how much weigh or how fit I mean I always wanted to be sort of in shape, don't get me wrong. So when I got in a car, I wasn't like blowing out my ass. But at the same time, like this year I weighed myself for the first time in like two or three years. And I used to weigh like 71 kilos. I was a bit of a twig. Um but then I moved out two years ago with my girlfriend and I subconsciously have been putting on weight. So I got to this year and I weighed myself and I was 86 kilos. And I was like, oh wow. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where is that? Like what <laughs> So I was like, that's, that's a bit heavy. So when I was um, coincidentally speaking to Danny Junkadella, who's a factory AMG GT3 driver for, um, I was sim racing with him earlier in the year. He said, if you're anything over fully kitted, 80 kilos in the GT3, you're losing lap time because they designed the cars and the ballast for 80 kilos. So when I was 86 kilos, sort of naked weight, and then you put kit on and stuff and you're like 89 kilos, I was like nine kilos overweight. So I was like, if I ever got the opportunity to drive a GT3, I'm sort of putting myself at a disadvantage here a bit. Um, and, you know, I only nine kilos or 10 kilos, but if you had 10 kilos ballast in ACC, for example, you're going to mm. feel it. Mm. So um, I, I've used this year to sort of cut the weight. So now I'm like 78. I'm get, I'm trying to aim for like 76. So when I have the kit, I'm like 80 on the dot. And um, just like, obviously, you know, I might not drive again, but hopefully I do. But also it's like a bit of a challenge, isn't it, to see how much... How, how well you can cut the weight. And yes, there's a lot of training involved only eating a certain amount every day. i do a bit of boxing like once a week, I do a bit of boxing. Um, but yeah, mainly it's like gym work and running and stuff really. So. Mm.
2: Sweet. Yes. So our next question comes from, uh, Strovich also from our discord. He says, when is the first time you, Oh, when was the first time you stepped into a GT car and how did you prepare mentally prior to the race?
0: Uh, so it was a test day, uh, Paul Ricard started 2020, uh, weirdly three days before COVID. I, I, I remember that for some reason. Um, and I think until that point, I'd obviously done my karting a few years ago, the two Formula Ford races a few years ago, but I'd won World's Fastest Game at back end of 2019. I did a few club level races in a Citroen C1, uh, nice. which was cool at Brands Hatch. Um, just to get my signatures and stuff and then start of 2020 first real racing experience of the year um it was a gt world challenge official test 60 cars like gt3 there was no gt4 ease yourself into it it was literally gt3 away you go and um i did some i did loads of prep on the sim before to like get ready for it and uh got there the team was like all pro to uh, Jensen Team Rocket RGN it was called at the time and in the McLaren 720S GT3 and jesus christ it was an absolute whirlwind i was absolutely cacking myself the morning of like <laughs> just i just i would never driven anything that quick before and i was like if i shunt you know i got a phone call from the guy who organised it um world's fastest gamer and subsequently gt academy and he, he basically alluded to the fact you know good luck and obviously all that stuff but like if you shunt at any point during the season it's a big one there's not really much budget left over to carry on racing so basically if you shunt we're gonna have to stop and i was like oh, fuck you like this is <laughs> no pressure the, then. yeah a bit nerve-wracking um so did the i remember driving down the uh, getting in the car getting strapped up so nervous even the mechanic uh the chief mechanic was like chill out, breathe, you're going to be fine. And I was like, <laughs> you're right, I'm going to be fine. So I remember get, driving out the pits, stalling, as everyone does, because it's a really stiff clutch, uh, going down the pits and then looking around. It's, this is real. Oh my God, this is mad. And then I pressed the pit speed limiter button and just took off. And I was like, oh my God, this is so powerful. Oh my God. Turned into turn one because they have tyre warmers and I'd never experienced that before. There was so much grip. It's, considering you've just come out of the pits, the tires mm. are already up to temp. I remember turning in, expecting like a bit of sliding to happen it was just direct grip like so much grip into turn one at paul ricard and then it's amazing how the sim racing i guess has trained me to within two or three laps i was on it like from this never driven a gt3 or anything like it to three laps in doing like a respectable middle of the board time to the point where i think the team manager was like just be careful james you know i think he was he saw i was nervous and probably thought Mm -hmm. you know there's there's a you don't want him to go too quick otherwise he might shunt um but it just it was so natural and I think I I put it all down to the sim I mean I did karting and stuff when I was younger but I think that taught me basic things like racecraft and you know having a pair of balls you know don't be don't be scared don't be scared of speed and stuff like that but the sim taught me so much about building up to it technique consistency accuracy pace like all these things and like it just blew my mind at that day. It just blew my mind at how easy it was. It was easier than the sim because you could feel more. And like, it, it, honestly, it was insane. Um, so yeah, that was a real breakthrough moment. And then after that, we had the, obviously the, the rest of the test and the full season and stuff in British GT. And I never looked back. I felt every time I got in the car, I was like, I'm not going to shunt. I'm confident, you know, I'm quicker than anyone else here. You know, whether I was or not, I don't know. But I had the confidence to, to go and think that. And we got polls, wins, and it was insane. Honestly, best year of my life, 100%. Wow. That is totally mind-blowing. Wow. Yeah.
1: I, I can't imagine like the, the, the feeling of realizing it's easy because you probably weren't expecting to feel that. You probably weren't going in to be like, I know that this is going to be easy. I'm going to be nervous to, at first, but then it's going to be easy. You were probably worried that, it was going to be quite overwhelming and it was going to take you a long time to catch up with the guys who've been doing it for years and years and years. So but that must honestly, a right. So like
0: Chris Buncombe, a good friend of mine, he, he helps me, he advises me um, as well through motorsport and just decisions to make and stuff like this. But he's won Le Mans. He used to be a very, very highly regarded driver. Uh, he, Because of age, he got downgraded to a bronze. And he was the first person, they always put the experienced driver at the start of the day in the car to shake it down and stuff. He went out there, did like five or 10 laps. It was quite a nervous setup, nervous balance because the car wasn't dialed in yet. And I think he did like a a 156 or something like that, right, at Paul Ricard, just first laps of the day. And lap three of my first experience, which I just talked about, was like a 155. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's not saying that Chris... You know, Chris probably didn't set a representative lap for him. Don't get me wrong, but to be on the money mm. like straight away was just a shock. I thought I was going to go out there and be doing two minutes five, or so, you know something like that. Um, the same thing as, as Spa last year as well. Spa is a bit more of a cutthroat track, gravel traps everywhere, and um, you know, Eau Rouge, It's real. You know, it's, you're gonna, if you're going to shunt there, it's going to be big and um two years out of the car as well so i was like have i lost a, a bit here and i was mm. up against a, my entire car was full of silver drivers so up and coming racing drivers who are really competitive uh there was three others and me they'd been in the car the whole season i was doing the one race at spa um and they had the whole morning and because i'm the the step-in driver you basically get the um you get the rough end of the stick. So you get less laps, you get less new tyres, you get less priority, which is a double-edged sword, really, because I've not had the practice. So you would have thought I'd have more practice to get up to speed, but it works the other way around. Mm. That first day, I, I I literally ended the day with the quickest time in that car. That's and like wow. they, they've been in it the whole season. And I'm not saying like I'm a genius, wear, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that any top sim racer that could translate and just have the bollocks to not be afraid of speed, for example, would be smoking a lot of these grids. 100%.
2: That is a hot take.
0: That, <laughs> that
2: it's really a true is. take.
0: It's a true oh take. Oh, my goodness. But obviously, there are insane talents on in real racing. Yeah. Mm. they don't get be wrong. Some of the factory drivers and the guys at the top end, insane. Insane. Like, you know, maybe I am dreaming to even be on their level. But majority of the grids in GT racing, for example, are not like that their their pay drivers and their people who test every other week and you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It explains why real racers are more and more so using sim racing to gain an advantage, right? Because real racers are super competitive and will do anything they possibly can to gain an advantage over their rivals. And um, I think what they're realizing is actually the one of the best ways I can gain an advantage is to spend hours and hours and hours sim racing before every race.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um yeah, it, I mean, sim racing is is all about practice and muscle memory and stuff, but real, my skill set is uh is very weird. Like all my teammates say it sometimes, you know, I, I'll go on and I'll practice for like... The, I'm always quickest in my first hour of practice. After two or three hours, I get slower. Um, I end up just driving worse, whereas a lot of drivers get on, take an hour or so to warm up, and then they get quicker as they do more laps. They just get exponentially quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, for real motorsport, you need... ability to just jump in and just somehow get on the pace um so i think that particular skill set actually hurts me in sim racing you know Mm. i I wish i could sit on there and grind and get quicker and quicker and quicker but in real racing it helps because you don't have practice you literally you get five or six laps so you got to go out there and do and do it and um it helps me in that sense but yeah i wish i could sometimes grind away and get quicker like some of the other lads in sim racing because it's really helpful for that
1: so we've got loads and loads of questions but i think based on time let i'm going to just pick this last question um which i'm really interested in as well uh we haven't got who sent it in um but thank you you'll know who that you'll know that it's you um what is your favorite non-racing thing to do what gets you away from sim racing slash racing and
2: feeling refreshed great question
1: uh
2: Or are you just deep in racing all the time? No, 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 <laughs> I do, I do other stuff,
0: but I think, honestly, just seeing my mates and just doing stuff, like mm. going out, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Going going down the pub, just doing normal things, you know? Like, it's not <laughs> obviously... I, I could say going to the gym or whatever. I don't enjoy the gym that much, but I enjoy seeing my mates and going out with them or going places with them, and that's, that's probably what I do. That's the best thing for me to unwind, definitely. So, yeah, nothing special, really. No, makes a lot of sense. I don't. I don't know if we we're expecting. It's uh, you know, my, it,
1: yoga. Yoga <laughs> is my escape. Nah, <laughs> yoga me, is my outlet. <laughs> Without <laughs> yoga, I am nothing.
2: <laughs>
1: not quite. Cool. Well, Jave, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate chatting. Um, you too.
0: Thank you. Thanks was, for having me.
1: Yeah, that, that was that was absolutely great. And I think, um, especially your, you know, your the stories that you told us about getting in the car and the spa story is that that was i was a little bit mesmerized by that one um so thank you very much really really appreciate it and we'll chat soon yeah cheers guys thank you